Morning. Woo! Sweaters in the house. I'm loving it. Merry Christmas to one and all. Yeah, you may notice that Phil's not here this morning. Phil Dixon's here. Phil Harden is not here. Um, man, it, it, it pains me to even say this, that he set us up with this uh, Christmas ugly sweater contest, <laughs> and then he decided to check out and not be here. But worse than that is him painting. Uh, I think it's okay for me to say this. He was up here the other day, uh, left Fairhope early to go to the eye doctor. He was having some issues and uh, found out that he has shingles in his eye. And uh, he made a turnaround after seeing a couple of clients and went back home and uh, he is there and maybe logged in and watched this morning or so, Phil. Man, our prayers are with you. Um, hope you get to feel it better soon. I cannot imagine the pain you're going through. Mm. Uh, our prayers are with you. Hope you're uh, resting easy uh, this morning. But it's Christmas. Yeah. It's Christmas. So we've got uh, some that followed up on being uh, involved in the ugly sweater competition. And I know we've got one that's dressed up in a sweater. looks like Santa Claus. <laughs> We've got another Santa Claus here. Anybody else wearing an ugly sweater? Because I've already got the winner picked out. If you've got an <laughs> ugly sweater on, stand up. If you've got an ugly sweater on, stand up. Define ugly, though. Ah, that ain't ugly at all. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait, let me go back here. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> There is a cowbell in the house. No doubt that is the prettiest sweater that came today. No doubt. We're thankful for our guests here. Mm -hmm. Wives, daughters, and sons that have joined us. Mm -hmm. So what's it like when dad gets up on Thursday morning and goes to that men's group? What happens there? Well, this is a chance for you to see kind of what dad's been doing all year. And what we do here at Men's Roundtable. Christmas time, though, is special. Jeff and I are going to do our best to share the Christmas story and tie it into what Phil has been teaching. Jeff and I talked last night. If there's a time that somebody had to fill in for Phil and Roan and Ben aren't available, and Jeff and I are going to wing it, what easier subject is there than the Christmas story? I'm going to start, so we're going to work with the kids that are here. Dads, need you to show out. How many kids go to school on occasions and a teacher says, pull out a piece of paper, we're having a pop quiz. It ever happened to you? Never. Ever happened to y'all? God, am I that old? They don't do pop quiz anymore in school? Pop quiz. We're going to find out what you've learned. So Phil asked us last week to go back to the drawing he's been working with. Help me out with the drawing. Remember how it starts? On this side. Give me the first. Holy God. Holy God. Holy God. Holy God. <laughs> Maybe that other marker. Where we go from Holy God? Love line. Love line. 
But we have a line, I think we have also another line that he's described to us. Just line. <coughs> Not only is God love, but he's also just. And here we are. Little little guy walking along. And then what happens? Sin enters. And because God is a just God, we're moved off the love line to the just line. And as Phil subscribed to us, these lines never touch. They're parallel forever. Once we've moved here, <coughs> getting back to the love line takes a special action. It's interesting because of the, with the, some of the younger people here today, the world or secularism as we've taken it, tries to describe that. Mm. Look at some of the Christmas stories. <laughs> if we've fallen to this point, what does Frosty the Snowman teach us? Frosty the Snowman puts on his hat. You remember the story? The kids make up the snowballs, build Frosty, and he puts on a hat. And Frosty does what? He comes alive. How does Frosty come alive? Magic in the hat. Magic. Magic. What about one of those other stories? Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. What about those people? Rudolph and the toys. Remember Rudolph? What was different about Rudolph? What was different about Rudolph than the regular reindeer? Had a red nose. Right. He was different. And all the other reindeer made fun of him, right? They laughed at him. Wouldn't let him play the games. Yeah, called him names. Kicked him out. He was an outcast. He was an outcast. He dropped down here. What did Rudolph do to try to get back on the line of love continuum? Covered it up. I'm going to hide. <coughs> hide. Man, nobody will know this. I'll just put some mud on my nose. They won't see what I really am. I'll be okay. The Grinch. What about the Grinch? What did the Grinch do? Stole Christmas. It's what he's doing away with. We're not going to have Christmas. Let's just do away with Christmas. He did have a heart three times too small. But he didn't like Christmas because of all the festivities and all that junk going on that we sometimes may be described as work or effort. We're going to decorate the houses with lights. We're going to put tinsel on a tree. We're going to stuff packages underneath. We're going to have some kind of roast. Come on, one of the kids help me out. What, what, kind, what kind of roast are we having? Beast. Roast beast. Thank you, Hal. Roast beast. <laughs> There's one problem with that. 
It all falls short. Whatever we do, we can't get from the just line to the love line. This is what Phil's been working with. How do we get there? Jesus. I'm sorry, say it again. By grace through faith. I hope I wrote that large enough you'd be able to see. On this line, eternal love. On this line, eternal death. The Christmas story is very simple. <coughs> Listening to a song this morning. Jesus, fully God, became fully man left his throne in the kingdom and came to earth in a manger in a crib that was used to feed animals. He left heaven and came here to walk with man. He offers us a gift by faith. We place our faith in him and we accept his gift. We are restored through him back to God the Father. And eternal love. That's the Christmas story in a nutshell. This is what your dads have been working with for the last three or four weeks, specifically, is this diagram. But Phil works with us each week explaining the gospel to us how to be better dads, how to be better husbands, how to be better brothers, how to be better employers and employees, how to be better men. How to be better men. Jeff is going to take some time and explain the Christmas story to us. Thank you so much. All right. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, as we, you know, so Joe is telling, my name's Jeff, by the way, uh, but welcome all the guests and everything. We're going to take a few moments to talk about what we do here, uh, the guys that have come have known this routine that we go through, and then uh, we're trying to um, grow. We're trying to grow as men, right? And uh, growth can't happen in a vacuum. Growth requires uh, some personal devotion time. It requires being around other men. It requires stories. And so we're going to talk a little bit about stories today. But before we do, I want to take a few minutes. Uh, this is what we do, just to let you guys know that are here for the first time. We'll uh, ask a question to kind of get things going. Like, what is something to think about and talk about with someone next to you? So we're going to take a few minutes to do that. And here's the questions right here. The first one is, what has been one of your biggest challenges you've had to face this year? 
And so that's the first one. And the next one is if you could go back and change one thing about this year, what would it be? So let's take a few minutes and do that. All right, all right. So another thing we do, another thing we do in the morning after we kind of talk and kind of share stories a little bit, and uh, everybody's got a story, right? Everybody's got a story, and it's good to be heard. It's good to learn how to listen. So as we listen to another person's story, we know what to pray for. Sometimes when we haven't really connected with someone, when you go to prayer, sometimes it's like hard. It's like I just generally pray for that person. But when you have a moment to hear and listen to someone's story, that is your way to pray for them because you remember what it felt like when they were telling their story. And I go, I know exactly what to pray for for that person. So listening to someone's story is important. We're going to talk about a story, the Christmas story, the story. Uh, here in a minute but before we do we uh, we like to play a song uh, uh, in the morning to uh to really get into uh you know kind of opening up some of the feelings that we uh think about and um and we want to talk about during this time and so this one i want to invite you to listen there's a story being told here okay and i'll get back to it after this video but phil talks about this a lot learning learning how to listen Listen more than words, listen to a story, a theme that's happening, and we'll build on that as we as we go. So I want to I want you guys to watch this. On Christmas Eve, 1914, temperatures drop below freezing on the Western Front. In some places, it began snowing, obscuring the moon. Then all across the German lines, lights began to appear. At first, the British thought the Germans were preparing to attack. But instead of rifle fire, sounds of singing drifted across no man's land. Germans would be heard singing Stille Nacht, Heilige Nacht. And the British would respond with a, a British Christmas carol. In some places, uh, food was lobbed over into the opposing trenches. In one or two instances, the Germans erected Christmas trees. And there was a kind of mutual curiosity, um, certainly instances of soldiers applauding each other's singing. I heard the bells on Christmas Day They're all familiar carols Mild and sweet their songs repeat Of peace on earth, goodwill to men 
So someone tell me what you saw in that video. Tell me what you saw in that video, a word or two. 
peace. The war paused. Something entered into the war and it changed. So that's a story. It's also our story, right? And so you see these, I want to, I want to draw this diagram real quick. I mean, just show you this is that God's story is part of everyone's story. When you learn how to listen, you hear it. And so in that story, somehow it's connected to our story. And then you go look at the men and the and women in the Bible and you hear that story again. And it's like there's a common thing going on of a story there of, of peace. And, and as Joe has mentioned, you know, this struggle, this struggle to restore the relationship with God, right? That's something generations have done. That's something I do on a personal basis every morning. I try to restore, try to dedicate my life to God every morning. We all should, you know, and um, and I come up short most days, you know, but um, there's a story. And then when you hear another man's story, like when we go to deer camp or spend time over coffee, you hear this story again. And then you hear your own story in this other man's story. And so that's the theme of what we're talking about this morning is um is god's story that is coming alive in christmas time is something that is not just something that happened two thousand years ago it's happening now in your life and so we're going to use art to go through this we're going to look at some pictures uh, and kind of walk through the story uh, joe did a wonderful job of showing this as phil did and Art sometimes is like music, sometimes like song, where you can see something and it invokes some emotion. So I want to I want to continue that story and back up all the way to the beginning and not spend a long time, but get to the Christmas story of how God, the relationship with God started and how it changed and what happens at Christmas. Right. And this battle, this battle that we see that's going on. It's not just a battle outside in the field with soldiers. There's a battle that we fight. Um, we fight as, as, as adults and even as children you fight. So this is the first image. Let me, let me share this real quick so people can see it on the live stream. But this is the first image that I can tell you, when I look back at my story, if you know this story of the Garden of Eden, and this is when the relationship changed. And so my story, if you sat down with me at deer camp and you, and you heard my story, you would hear this image is I have, um, I have broken a relationship with God, just like Eve, you know, so Eve and Adam, not just Eve, Eve and Adam basically, uh, listened to another voice. Okay. And so, and so, another, so when we look at the garden of Eden story, you know, the story where there's a, a, a God says, don't eat this, don't eat this, you'll die. And another voice comes in the story and goes, you won't die. So start these half-truths start coming up. So the devil's really good at telling half-truths, and these voices enter the story. Because before this, there was only one voice. If you go back and read Genesis, you hear the voice of God. This is good. I made this. This is good. This is good. This is good. I'm well pleased with the human creation I made. And then another voice enters the story and another voice enters our story every day. And let me tell you something, thousands of voices are coming at us constantly on these things and lies and half truths. And it's bombarding us like nothing we've ever seen before. And 
you know, one way I remember it is the little apple on the back. It's like the Garden of Eden. It's like, you know, prepare to hear a bunch of half-truths. And, and the devil, what the devil wants to do is attack the relationship we have with God. So, so the whole point of this story, starting to getting to Christmas, is the devil introduces a voice to say, I want to attack the relationship and trust that you have with God. And I will do anything to do that. And I will use any method, any trick, anything I can do to try to break that relationship. You know, the, the youth, I know there's some youth here, there's a term called BAE, my bae. What does that stand for? Do y'all know that BAE? It's like a relationship thing. When a guy and girl sometimes relationships, they say, you're my bae, BAE, my before anyone else. Right? And so God, the only way life works is when God is before anyone else. God, uh, when we have a term called being rightly ordered and disordered. And so, so much of my story is being disordered. So much of our story, so much of stories in the Bible is when we are disordered and something else becomes before God. I start the day with something before God. I end the day with something instead of God. And these idols, we, we, we hear this term and it's like we don't worship golden golden cows like they did but we have idols we have idols and things that we put before god and an idol basically is anything that says hey i'm this is more important than god so my story our story a lot of time the story of christmas starts here and so god provided a way to say okay there's going to need to be atonement for our sins and so all these things we do wrong or did wrong in the past they would uh get together and sacrifice the animal. The animal would take home all the sins, or in some cases, the scapegoat would be taken out of the city because it was taken on all the sins of the people and it would have to die. So we hear the story of, of the serpent. You won't die. You won't die. But something has to die as part of the, the breaking of the relationship with God. And so this that, was, that happened for thousands of years. And, and and people started talking about there will be someone who comes for thousands of years waiting and hoping and people lived and died and never saw it that somebody is coming some messiah is coming to fix this relationship someone is coming and they wrote about it and they wrote about it and they wrote about it this is isaiah uh and this is this is part of the story we're entering into at Christmas. And, and you know, we, we, we know the Christmas story. You've heard the Christmas story, but we, we're, we need to revisit it and enter into it. It's not something that happened 2,000 years ago and say, oh, let's just remember that. It's happening now. The Christmas story is happening now. Jesus is coming to us as a child in the darkest day of the night, the darkest night of the year, where there's little hope, where there's suffering, there's death, there's all kind of things going on in our life. And Jesus comes in right at the worst moment. The worst moment is when Jesus arrives in the Christmas story, which is in our calendar year is the darkest day and shortest day of the year. Because that reminds us he's coming this year to you, to us, to our families, to our. And so this is about the story of the Christmas is a story about the God who intervenes. Like I said, for thousands of years, God kind of did things a certain way, but when Jesus shows up, 
something's different. And I tell the young ladies in the room, you hear stories about the Bible and this guy and this guy and this guy, but when God works with the woman, he's doing something new, something wonderfully new. And if you could go back in the Bible and look at time after time, and, and a friend of mine who's a Jewish, uh, Jewish um, you know, uh, scholar or whatever, he, he said, it's like a giant light is shining on this scripture when God says, and now there's a woman that I'm working with. It's like God is changing the way he does things. And so how does this happen? As we look at this story, what's happening here? Who is that? It's Mary. What is said to Mary? She will be with child. Right? And and there's this is a almost in, a, in this time of age where she grows up is almost a death sentence. What happened to young women that were pregnant that weren't married or that were not uh, they were stoned to death? And what did Mary say in response to the angel Gabriel? What did Mary say? She said, let it be done to me according to your word. So she immediately says, I'm giving my life, maybe. Uh, I'm going to trust you. And so God gives her a little bit of a, of a, of a, of a bit of hope in her story. And she says, hey, by the way, the, the angel says, by the way, your cousin Elizabeth, who is old and cannot have children, has a child. You see God working again in another woman. The hope, what you thought, what what was not possible for man is possible for God. And so God, the angel who's a herald for God says, there's another woman who's your cousin who is having a child, and that's John the Baptist. And the story starts. God starts really changing how he's inter interacting and intervening. So this gets to the Christmas story to where we see the angels. The angels talk to the shepherds and sing to the shepherds. They visit the lowly uh, shepherds who are, you know, pet sitters. <laughs> they, uh, they're, they're not high society. They're, they're the, one of the lowest um, people of, of society when you rank them. But the angels visit them, and what do the angels tell them? Peace on earth, goodwill to men. Right? Peace on earth, goodwill to men. And so this message is starting to spread of like there is something that's going to happen that's going to be that's going to bring peace in a way that you've never experienced before in the history of salvation ever. There's going to be peace and goodwill to men. So then this is a very familiar image. What is this image? So our Bethlehem. You notice how dark it is. Darkest day of the year. Nobody had room. No, everybody's too busy. Is that our story? That's my story. Too busy. Too much going on. I don't really have room for this God stuff. God shows up anyway. When there's no hope, uh, there's, there's too much going on. And the story starts to where uh, the, the, the opposer, is, is already trying to kill this child, right? And so the king heard the prophecies and, and already the battle's on. I'm going to try to find this child. And so we know the story of Christmas. And when you see the image of the, the nativity, you see light. 
So let's look at this and back again. So you look at darkness and then light. You see how art depicts depicts that and the light is shining on the baby Jesus. And so as Jesus lived his life, and we're going to get to the, the last piece of this, but, but Jesus healed people. He listened to people. He healed a woman that, that really had nowhere else to go. Part of our story, too. He taught. He welcomed and included those that were outcasts, the orphans of, of society that had no nobody. He did that. He fed us. And then he ate with the people that no one else wanted to be around. You know, our stories have that in it to where we're like, uh, God, you know, Jesus comes to us when we don't really deserve it. You know, and so the story of, of, of Christmas includes the life of, of Jesus. And so the final piece as we go through this, as, as people know, is Jesus, his, his death and resurrection, as Joe drew here on the cross, I want to, I want to look at the, the parable and the contrast and the art of, of why he did this and what peace on earth looks like and what goodwill men to looks like. And it's this. This is the story Jesus told, I think, more than any others when he ate with sinners like us. Is turn around, come back, restore the relationship. Just turn around. You can't do it on your own. Like Joe's saying, you can try, but let me do it. Jesus is saying, let me do it. All you have to do is turn around. And when you orient yourself toward God, Jesus says, I'll, I'll, I'll do the rest. Just turn toward God. And so the contrast of this, of the stories of how things started and the relationship was broken and how Jesus tells the story of the prodigal son. The prodigal son is basically, you know, this guy did everything wrong you can imagine. His story was really bad. Wasted all his father's money, did everything wrong you can imagine. And he turns around the father says, I'm here and I love you and I love you. And so that is made possible through the gift of Christmas in Jesus Christ. And so as we look at the image again, and we, and we have this day coming up on Christmas, as, as Joe mentioned as well, we, there's so many distractions, so many distractions from the story, from our story, as we hear, do, does God really enter into my life? Can God really enter into my life at Christmas? Can, can God really change and restore the relationship in a way that's different and new this year versus last year versus any other part of the story. And I, and I want to um, show this image. This image is the, is a, is a image of what's called an um, knocking on the door of your heart. Right. And so this is revelation. God will knock on the door of your heart. And at Christmas, you can answer the door, you can knock. You can be too busy. You can say, I'm moving in just like the manger. I'm knocking on your door to, to, to stay. Do you have room or do I need to sleep outside? Right? And so Jesus knocks on that door. And, and if, you've, if you've responded to that call before with Jesus uh, at the first time, it's, it's the big one. 
I invite you into my heart, you know, and, and that's what we want to really think about today. Um, and I think that um, it's something to think about at Christmas when the baby shows up and says, will I receive that? Because you, you can say no. You can say, I'm not, I'm not ready for that. But, but Christmas really is this image right here. And one more video I'll show you that really illustrates this restoring of the relationship. We like to show uh, these type of videos that, that not only talk about us and God, but us and our family. We all have uh, division wounds in our family, whether it's whether it's people who are living or not living. We have things that are, we have this longing that's not yet fulfilled. And Jesus is saying, I want to, I want to restore that. I want to give you that which you're longing for. And so let's watch this video and then uh, we'll close in prayer after this.
either. some images that resonate with us what it's like to live without a relationship you know and, and and sometimes that's our families and our hearts long for God a thousand times more than what you see in those images and so the Christmas gift is when Jesus comes to you and says I give you all that your soul longs for right and so that's something to remember as we look at Christmas as Jesus shows up as a little helpless child um, will we be there? And I want to I want to end with this image again as we do our prayer. And maybe you know, maybe you've done this before. Maybe you haven't. Maybe you've um, you prayed this before. Maybe maybe it's like me. I need to pray something like this every morning. It's just I surrender. I surrender my life to you, God. And so as we as we say that prayer, maybe it's your first time, and you know you know, and maybe it's not. And uh, I invite us to just all to be open to receive the gift that is Jesus Christ this Christmas. All right, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we lay our lives open to you. We open our souls. We want you to teach us. We want you to feed us. You want us. To, we want you to provide only what you can provide. And so this Christmas, God, we, we do answer the knock at the door. When you knock, we will listen. We will hear you. And, and we invite you. We know that you won't enter without an invitation. We invite you in this Christmas. We will find room for you this Christmas. And we will just surrender ourselves each day as we... As we um, we place our trust in you. We trust that uh, that you are the answer to peace on earth, that you are the answer to peace in our hearts, and peace in our families, and peace in our communities. We ask that you uh, you be patient with us, as you always are. Just continue to be patient with us and, and help us to, um, to really understand that your voice your voice is the only voice that matters. And your voice is in so many stories, including our story, other stories, and stories in the Bible. And we want to learn how to hear your voice instead of the voice of the deceiver. So teach us how to do that, dear Lord. Teach us how to receive that in a new way this Christmas. And help us all to have just a blessed Christmas uh, with our families, with our loved ones, with people in our community and help us somehow, in some way, reflect the light that shines in the darkest time of the year, that somehow that light can reflect off of us to someone else. In your son's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Um.